Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. <laughs> the, ne- the never-ending story, but Atreyu is older and now has an equine hospice business, and the movie is two hours of him euthanizing injured horses in the swamps of sadness. <laughs> It's a thing that randomly popped into my head today, so I had to put it on Twitter, uh, and I'm not sorry, because if I have to deal with that, then I'm going to make everyone else do it, too. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the Drunken UX podcast. I I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> this is why hey, we drink. <laughs> this is episode number 119 for July 18th, 2022, and this week we are going to be talking about the usability of your website footer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bugs and birds, I am glad that you're with us and I am your host, the loud, the proud, the bearded, Michael Fina. I'm this uh, bright ray of sunshine over here and your other, other host, Aaron. How you doing, Michael? I'm freshly tattooed. You are. That is a that is a fabulous tattoo that you have it's there. It's not itchy yet, but uh I just changed the dressing on it and uh here in a day or two I'm expecting uh, all hell to break loose with the itch. So Are you like slathering the aquaphor onto your arm? No. Um she's got me using Saniderm. Uh <laughs> oh, maybe I'll find a podcast that talks to people who have just gotten their first tattoo and <laughs> Hey, uh it's a uh, wait. Well, hey, it's Monday morning. It's a uh, drinky poo time. Um, but before we get to drinky, how do you know I'm listening to this on Monday well, morning? You know, and people can listen to it whenever they want to. Um, yeah, that's the great thing about podcasts. Speaking about doing anything anytime, we're gonna try an experiment. And I'm gonna invite everybody out to take part in this and, and help us out if you want to be a little interactive with us. Um, we have a voicemail number. So if you would like to get a hold of us and leave a question for us or a comment or something for us to use on the show, um, you can give us a call at 620-712-2119. And you'll get a little voicemail from me, a little message, and then leave your question. And then we may, you know, take them at the start of shows. We may collect a bunch of them and do one whole show with just answering questions people call in. Um, maybe nobody calls in. I don't know. We're we're <laughs> gonna try it just to see kind of what the experiment does. So if you would love to have us answer a question live in a show, then shoot us a call, leave us a voicemail. Um, but uh, everybody's welcome to do that, and and I think that might be a neat way to answer questions. Whether that's how do you do something, or what do we look for when you know we're hiring somebody, or what skills are important, or you know what it's, blogs do we read, whatever. It's like an AMA, but. Live asynchronous, asynchronous, A A M A, audio, asynchronous A M A, and audio asynchronous A A A M A. Yeah, but it should be almost anything though. So an A A M A A, A A A A M A A. Yeah. Okay. Actually, no. Wait. Hold on. It should be ask asynchronously, Aaron and Michael, almost anything. An A A A M M A A. Okay. Uh, I'm going to work that acronym into the uh, new site layout, too. So. Okay, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, but, but do give us a call. Let us know. Um, again, that number is 620-712-2119. Uh, 
Um, outside of that, let's talk drinkies drinks. Uh, uh, Wilbur, um, uh, Jonathan, Aaron, I'm sorry, Aaron's your name. Um, my middle name on the middle of the podcast. Are you, uh, what are you chugging? I just got water tonight. It's, it's hot as heck. Um, I, they just fixed my house fan. So it's like cooler than it would be, but it's still like 80 something degrees upstairs and, oh. And I'm just really warm, so I'm <laughs> trying to just hydrate. But no, no drinky poos for me this morning, Monday morning. Uh, I not had to drink evening. a ton of water leading up to the tattoo because you want to hydrate mm-hmm. your skin and everything real well. So, uh, but now the tattoo's in me. Um, I am drinking uh, Aberlauer Cascanam, which is their rare cask, Speyside, um sherry casked uh, scotch. It's a blend. It's it's a non-age statement in AS. Uh, it is aged in two different sherry casks and bourbon casks. Uh, it's bottled at forty eight percent, which ain't nothing. That's got a little bit of a a whoop de doo. Um, non chill filtered, triple cask matured. It's real funky on the nose. It's it's got a a real good like hmm. musty. Uh, which I know doesn't sound good, but like if you know anything about like malting and stuff, there's that you know the malting of the barley. It kind of has that sort of funky uh, uh, grain note, sweet on the nose. A uh, little bit of like a molasses and peach. Okay, peach. Yeah, I like peach as the the note there. Um, sweet. I've got it with a hunk of ice right now, and. I expected it to be, I guess, more like what we call a sherry bomb, which is just a a scotch that is, you know, heavily matured in sherry casks, usually exclusively in sherry casks. And so it tends to be very rich, very sweet, um, very thick. And this is rich and sweet, but not thick. It's actually fairly light. Hmm. It's a little raisiny, uh... It lingers real nice for a while. That 48% kind of sits in your the back of your sinus cavity for a minute. It's not hot. And I think that's what's kind of confusing me. At 48%, I would expect the scotch to be really hot, and it's not. In fact, if you just handed me this glass and I was guessing, I would probably tell you I thought this was like a 40 or a 42%. Um, wasn't, I like it so far. Wasn't Cask Adam a movie with Robin Williams? Uh, no, you're thinking of uh, uh, The Rock, the superhero movie. It's Black Adam. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's not out yet, though, so... Okay. You're getting ahead of yourself a little bit. Uh, okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about footers tonight. Um, I thought this would be fun, because footers often are neglected. We don't talk about them a lot, uh, especially when you're doing any kind of design. Usually the footer is just kind of... The thing you make sure to include at the bottom, you know, (laughs) and I, you know, subconsciously, we've kind of all come to this similar place, I think, where it's like, yeah, we're going to throw our social media links there. We'll we'll restate our navigation. There'll be a copyright statement and maybe a logo. Right. And yeah, that's fine. But I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about, you know, what makes a footer valuable, why you shouldn't neglect it and how to build one well, right? Because that is theoretically your last opportunity to get that person to stay on your site. 
And so maybe they scroll back up, maybe they leave, go on to other stuff, you know, whatever. I I would I would I would disagree with you that it's like your last chance for a call to action because I think that presupposes that people consume websites by scrolling to the bottom. And I I don't think I don't know if I agree with that. Sure. No, I I think that's absolutely fair. I, I could be convinced, but um my hunch in my like decades of experience here is that um users probably don't always scroll to the bottom. Oh yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right on that. That yeah, users don't scroll to the bottom out of any sort of necessity or anything. But if they have scrolled to the bottom, mm-hmm. that means they're probably done. I I think, I think that um, I would agree that the the footer is like the the last place you look, right? Like I can't find what I'm looking for in the top or side navs, and it's not anywhere in the content that's obvious. Um, but certain kinds of links or content I would expect to be in the footer. And so as a last ditch effort, if I can't find it somewhere else, it's like the junk drawer, right? Yeah. Yeah. What uh, you mentioned, like there are things you expect to mm-hmm. be in a footer. What are, what are some of those things in your mind? Um, so, and I'm not looking at the NNG article or anything, right? It's just like my own two cents here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and think about it. Like, let's maybe qualify this, right? Cause a, there are a lot of different types of footers on different sites. Sure. So, so let's just say like the average company website, let's, mm-hmm. let's kind of generalize this at least a little bit. We'll talk about some others too, but let's, let's put a, at least some kind of qualification to the question. I, I want to see like the address, um, either. Okay. A phone number or an email or a link that says contact or s- something along those lines. Some means of contact. Yeah. Um, if they have like a mailing or physical address for their company, I would expect to see that there. Um, links to social stuff, like any, yeah. uh, any online profiles that they want to ensure are available. I would expect to see That's those on, on the footer. Pretty common. Yeah. I always I expect, but I don't need uh, there to be links to like the main like sections of the site, and then uh, I guess any like legal notices, uh, privacy yeah. privacy policy. If I wanted to know what that was, I would look there. Um, if there's any like uh, legal compliance things like GDPR or something similar, I would expect to see those notices linked from there. Yeah. Just like general general content that describes like the existence of the site um without actually talking about like content or anything. Like strictly I, business. I would, I would go off what one thing you just said about like privacy and stuff. And mm-hmm. this is one thing that I don't expect to see there. I don't think I've ever seen there, mm-hmm. but I think you should see there, which is a link to something like privacy settings. Mm, yeah because of the importance being placed on that like usually there's a link to a privacy policy but then you have to dig through that to find like if you need to re if or want not need to but if you want to reset your cookie settings or check your cookie settings finding that page after you have clicked that agree button or whatever Mm -hmm. can frequently be very difficult because sites don't make it easy to find and and that is that's i think a a hostile design pattern that we haven't putting a name to necessarily yet um but i definitely think that qualifies as you know burying those settings so that's mm-hmm. a, a little different jobs 
I, I tend yep. to view yes. like when I'm, you know, when I'm trying to help somebody find a, you know, job listings or point them to a company that I know is hiring. Usually I look for that job, like a, either a jobs or careers are typically the two links <laughs> I typically I, see. I, I see both and I do expect them to be in the footer. Um, if I, if I want to know like a company's job listings, I don't even look anywhere else on the site. I just go straight for the footer. That's yeah. how much I expect it to be there. Um, I see careers all the time, but I always look for the word jobs. And Steve Krug specifically talks about this and don't make me think, call it jobs or if you must careers and don't use other words. And I think he uses jobarama as one of the examples of what not to do. Or, well, here's an example, right? Like, work here. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, no. Yeah. No. Don't do that. Yeah. Like that's that's not what people look for. They're scanning for that that word, and this is you know this is classic laws of UX, right? Where every site uses the word jobs or careers. So don't be different. There's you, yeah. There's no reason to be different on that. Uh, we're, yeah, don't be. I cute. don't know why we're so hung up on the jobs and careers. <laughs> I, on, honestly, like anything in the footer is sort of like. I mean, design wise, it should reflect your brand. Like you know, it should use your brand colors, probably your secondary palette. Um, but you know, as far as language and verbiage goes, you have a lot more latitude there because everyone knows it's sort of like the mask is off and it's like sort of behind. You're looking behind the curtain when you look in the footer. So, like, um, you don't have to use your your wordsmithed language there. Use effective language. One of the things that is always in a footer, and I don't know, this may be one of the things I get a little bit of uh, heat for, for saying out loud, but <laughs> can we stop putting copyright statements in our footers? It doesn't do anything. It It does not afford any legal protection at all. Eh. I mean, it's I'm not. One of those, like, I'm not saying things. that it does. I just, yeah. I'm, I mean, because it does. It, it legally doesn't. Putting a copyright statement on your website means nothing. <laughs> it's something that we have done forever because it's a holdover from the print world. Um, but on on your website, especially because usually it says the exact same copyright date across your whole site, mm -hmm. which is flat out incorrect. All of your content is copyrighted when it's created which means whenever. Um, and then sometimes people will put, like, the copyright 1997 through 2022, you know, or something like that. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how it works. That, that seems uh, silly. I know. This is me being a little nitpicky on it. Yeah. I just wanted to say it out loud because I, I like ruffling those feathers sometimes as far as that goes because it is trivial to put it there, obviously. But I, um, the, the only thing that I would say is, um, like, having like site ownership credits, like, um, you know, like in a political ad, it says like, my name is like John Q politician guy. And I approve this message. Um, that's sort like of libertarian because <laughs> of the Q, right? The Q yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's your fault. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Not sorry. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I expect that the copyright message sort of says like who the person is that's behind it. Um, so there's a, uh, an article over at Nielsen Norman group, and you kind of alluded to this at the start when you said, Oh, I haven't looked at it yet. <laughs> uh, Teresa Fessenden wrote back in 2019, 
She writes that while footers get less attention than the top of the page, they still receive a fair amount of use. These are the most common use cases, and then she goes on to those things. But the problem is, and for Nielsen, Norman, like, there's... She's saying they receive a fair amount of use, mm-hmm. which is a statement that could be qualified at the very least. And they don't have, like, any research that actually says, well, how many people were using footers, you know? And usually... Nilsa Norman is, is pretty good about, like, those kinds of things. So yeah. I think, you know, we, we have to take it as a little bit of a grain of salt. I would agree. I think footers do get used. Sure. Um, and, and the article here states, users intentionally scroll to the footer to find information they expect to appear there, such mm-hmm. as contact information, details about the company, social media posts or links, or even to discover new or related content on the site. Some users even use the footer for navigation when they have already scrolled to the end of the page because the footer is in close proximity. They use that instead of scrolling to the top of the global navigation. Now, I want to talk about that for just a second. A, please show me some data on that. I would really like to see research (laughs) that backs that up. I would argue that, A, many sites these days have some form of sticky header, which means the navigation is never more than the top of viewport away and if that's the case then there's no reason to put navigation in the footer (laughs) um and not every site does and i get that but you know what i would rather see at the footer at that point useful links that don't restate something that's already on the page and instead Mm. put like a back to top link there and okay i very rarely see that i don't understand back to top links i i mean i understand what they are and i know how they work I never use them. I, I I don't use them when they are like the floating kind. You know, I, I the don't, kind that like stick with you throughout your page journey. Sure. I, I just, I don't use them, period. Like I know where the top is and I can use the scroll bar or I can press control home or command up or like any number of other things. I How like, many people I, know that command home is a shortcut though? I don't know. I But like, you know where the scroll bar is and like the... The effort that it takes to like move your mouse onto this one single link that's usually small is roughly equivalent to the effort that it takes to just grab the scroll bar and then drag it to the top. I'm going to disagree with you. All right. Um, the only this reason is entirely why... anecdotal. <laughs> well, no, no. I, I mean, you're absolutely making a fair point. The only reason I think it's not equivalent is because every single browser now is making that scroll bar as thin as humanly possible. And like Mm. Firefox now auto hides it on top of it and just gives (sighs) you that sliver of a deal that goes away. Yeah. The Mac OS is doing that a lot. Safari has done that for a long time, but now Chrome and Firefox are doing it. And to me that actually, no, I'm, I'm going to take it back. I think Chrome may, yeah, Chrome looks like it's still using the normal type of scroll bar, but Firefox is using that Safari style. And so to me, like that process of hunting for mm-hmm. where the scroll bar is actively is actually kind of irritating. I, I'll, I'll give you that as like a special circumstance. I, on the flip side though, I will say that, you know, on like, um, Discord and some other sites, they have like a jump to present link yeah um i do use those because a lot of times especially with um like endless navigation situations like in discord when you're like really far back in the buffer 
um, you don't know how far down you have to go. And so you're yeah. like scrolling and scrolling and let's like, how long does this go? So it's better to just have a go to the, go to the current time. Um, yeah. it's different with the top because the top is a fixed distance from wherever you are. And typically you'll know where that is. Um, and in, I, I think the fun sort of takeaway on this part of the discussion is everybody just kind of doesn't put effort into their footer for the most part. Yeah, it's weird. You know, because like I say, we just kind of do it. We know what's there. You know, we we all kind of have similar expectations. I think even more so than maybe a header menu, quite frankly, um, because header menus can be so varied from, and I mean, again, footers can be extremely varied too, but mm-hmm. I feel like we have watered down footer usage so much that we do all have very similar expectations for it. Um, let's uh, talk real fast before we get into the stuff of a footer and what does and doesn't make sense. Let's talk about just building the footer, right? Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, if you're going to have a footer on your site, what should it be in? I would, I would assume either, either the official like footer tag, yeah. or I could also see, um, Using like a section tag with like ID footer or something. I've I've used both. Yeah, I mean the footer a, tag a exists for this reason. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean but that, like that you, is the semantically correct element. If you had a reason to not use the footer tag specifically, like a div or a section tag would also work. We used to we used a div ID footer a lot many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I I think these days use a footer tag unless you can give me a reason to not use the footer tag. Use the footer tag. And then from there, everything's kind of up to you. Typically, yes, we end up with like lists of links. And so you might use like a nav element in there. And then maybe you restate your main navigation if you don't have a sticky uh, sticky header. And I'm telling you, if you have a sticky header, there's no reason to restate your main navigation in that footer. Uh, <laughs> there's, there just isn't. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that like function wise ends up down there and it is kind of a dumping ground for what ends up down there um i think of all the things i that i think you should make sure you have i like the idea of having your social media links mm-hmm. because they're kind of out of the way but you know people do want them um and that's a fairly like consistent area that they can go find them in you will probably have a copyright statement or rights reserved or whatever <laughs> have have a line for that down there um this is a good place to you know if, if you just want to have a search box somewhere i think it's fine to like just drop a search box down in there so that if somebody is looking for something and they're trying to scan through your page and they get to the bottom and didn't find what they need mm-hmm. they have something actionable that they can use to continue their journey to find what they need yeah i would give you that because yeah. that's one of those signs, I think, of somebody getting to your footer is either they really wanted all that content and read through all of it, or they scanned all that content and didn't find what they wanted. So what's the best way to help them find what they want? Probably search. Don't ask them to figure out your IA at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's many, many different ways to go about this. You know, a lot of sites will do the uh, the one thing I think we need to resist mm-hmm. is like putting a site map in the footer. You've seen this, right? Where like 
they just sort of restate their header navigation, but also all the sub pages. <laughs> yeah. So like everything, like if you've got a, if you got like drop down menus in your main nav, like you just restate all of that completely opened in the footer. And I'm like, I, who's looking through all of that? How do they know what is in any of those links in terms of like expectations? It always strikes me as like, uh, you know, using rich text, you know, like, uh, bolder italic text if you make the whole thing bolder italic then nothing is bolder italic right and and same thing with the footer like don't dump every all the crap in there because like your useful information becomes unuseful see and here's one um that i actually like uh the nielsen norman article which obviously will be in the show notes um they have a screenshot of the j crew website now this is from a couple years ago and so mm-hmm. this maybe has changed but i mentioned I think a search box is a fairly good thing to put in the footer. One of the things the J Crew site has is a box to sign up for their newsletter. Hmm. And I would immediately make the argument that nobody uses that ever. I mean, that would be very easy to track. Oh, 100% easy to track. If I worked there, I would absolutely um, throw some uh, Google Analytics stuff on that. Why, why would I say that, though? What, <laughs> why, why do you think I don't think people use that, but I think they would use a search box? I, I mean, cynically, because, like, nobody wants to sign up for a damn newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's journey. No, There is no user journey you can write for an actual user that is them coming to your website and thinking, I want to sign up for their newsletter. Clearly, I should scroll to the footer to do that. I would agree with you on, that, on those, those no user story in existence. Those two things coupled together. I think it's I think the whole point in this conversation is maybe to really to make the argument that we need to stop treating it like dead space and start yeah. treating it like I mean it's why is the footer less valuable than other stuff? Because people go to it less? M- maybe. But that just means we have an opportunity to understand the people who go to the bottom of your site. And what do they need when they get there? So Nielsen Norman says they're here, they're, they, they've got a list of seven items that end up in footers. They say there are utility links, doormat navigation, secondary task links, site maps, testimonials and awards. That's, a, that's hmm. one we haven't talked about. Brands within the organization. That's another one we haven't mentioned yet. And then customer engagement, which they say is social media and things like those newsletter type things. And I, guess. I, you know, the one thing like they don't mention there, for instance, is the search box idea, right? Yeah. Now, does that count as customer engagement? I don't know. No. Is it a secondary task link? It's not a link, but I would maybe consider it a secondary task. Okay. I will, I will concede to the NNG that if, if their conclusion is these are, generally the categories of content that we see in footers just stating as a fact sure i'll yeah. I'll give them that i would agree that these are things i have also seen in footers in my experience on the web um they're not making any qualitative statements about whether or not they should be in the footers oh um, yeah yeah that's yeah. that's a fair uh qualification there i think that the footer is kind of like um the sitemap or even really the search box like it's it's a um it's a fail safe for when your navigation fails except it's also like 
for certain things, it's also the place that you expect certain things to be. Like, yeah. you know, there's the there's the peek behind the curtain or like, you know, go backstage. I, I'm not here to see the show. I need to talk to the manager about like getting a job or like, you know, getting a press kit or whatever. You know, I, I'm not here to interact with whatever it is you're producing. I need to talk with you as the people producing it. Um, and then there's also uh, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Like uh, I need content, but it's failing me. I can't, the signs aren't working. And so the footer would be maybe like the last, last place. I would probably look for a sitemap first, maybe a search box if I knew specifically what I was looking for. Um, and then if I hadn't already searched, I would try to search for it. And then if that failed, then I would look at the footer. Interesting. I want to mention another thing here that I've seen. Mm -hmm. One thing I've seen in footers that you should never do in a footer, in my opinion. Okay. Is, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this list of stuff that Nielsen Norman calls out. And I don't think it fits in any of these which is also why I don't think it belongs in the footer, which is if you have anything that lets a user switch their language or their mm. currency unit, don't bury that in the footer. I, I think that depends a lot on the likelihood of your user base being international or like at least requiring localization. Sure. I mean, obviously I mean that for somebody who, yeah, they have an international audience. If you offer those features, but you aren't an international site, then why are you offering the feature? Um, if you're doing any kind of localization, I'm actually dealing with this right now on an, on an app I'm working on. Um, I have to put a localization link somewhere. So this is actually really useful. Yeah, <laughs> Amazon does this, right? Amazon's mm -hmm. got it right in their header, right next to the search box. Sure. It's like, it's easy to find. It's, I mean, it's not huge, but it's obvious. Um, there's a whole thing about usability and the use of flags that mm -hmm. is worth calling out as a separate topic sometime, but it's not nothing. It's at least, you know, it's there, it's easy to use for the most part, and it gets you what you need. Uh, they do offer it in the footer as well, though, which is worth noting. Yeah, that's um, fine. It's, like, cheap. Cheap to put it in both places. Again, and, yeah, again, it yeah. is cheap. And I think Amazon is a footer. Amazon has the kind of footer that I would call out Let's let's talk about maybe these, right? Let's call sure. it the jumbo footer, right? <laughs> so yeah. first off, Amazon has Jesus. this because Amazon owns so much shit. Go if you would, Aaron. While I'm looking we're right now. Here, yeah, I'm you, looking. Do you have it pull up? Yeah, scroll all the way to the bottom. You know, you know what this reminds me of is you ever like um excuse me, either in like a movie or maybe even in person, if you go to like a really big city and you go to the corporate building of a conglomerate where the conglomerate owns like the whole building, not just the floor. And then you have the directory in the main lobby and it lists out all of the different like, you know, departments or sections or whatever, all the different like subsidiaries of the conglomerate. That's what this looks like. <laughs> right now. A, I do want to call out, you notice the first thing in their footer. Amazon Music? Uh, no. Or wait, how far up? Oh, back to top. Yeah. Yeah, they have a back to top link. <sighs> Whatever. Because, um, yeah, because to me, this yeah. is like, this is almost f like footer, subfooter territory, right? Yeah. They they really have two footers here. The subfooter is the one, though, that is like the collection of brands. 
Now, Amazon's a little unique, obviously, because they own so much. I, I want to go back really quick to your suggestion about it for being keyboard navigation. In this particular case, there, there being a back-to-top link right there, and it's really subtle. So if you were keyboard navving and you hit that, you would know, okay, everything past this is going to be footer. So, or like maybe you go to the next link and it's like, oh, I'm in the footer now. And then yeah. you can go back to that one. So like, I'm fine with that being like it, Well, and the way they've implemented it, it really is sort of a demarcation, right? Like, yeah. They, it looks like a horizontal rule. I actually do kind of, uh, for all things Amazon that I don't like, I do kind mm-hmm. of like that implementation. Sure. Because um, it's also got a huge, the, hit, the hitbox is the entire element. Which, yeah is also nice because I'm all, I'm always for maximizing your hit space. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so they've got all of these brands. Aaron, how many yeah. times have you used this subfooter? I didn't your... even, I don't think I've ever looked at it before. Right. I, I don't know why Amazon feels the need to put this here. And I would love to see their analytics on its usage because you cannot tell me and, and convince me that somebody really cares about, shop bop designer fashion brands and is going to amazon's footer Wait. to find that link shop is that one of the it's, like yeah uh, it's one of the links here and i also realize now looking at this these aren't in any order like they're not alphabetical or anything yeah they're they're like random you have amazon music first then advertising then drive then okay yeah the 6 p.m a books yeah um, look in the lower I mean, look at the lower right corner it blink Amazon renewed Aero Wi-Fi. I think these are maybe like chunk grouped and then alphabetized within the chunks. Okay, tell me how any normal user figures. I mean, it is either alphabetical or it isn't, as far as a normal user goes. Us sitting here positing on it doesn't make it so. I have a feeling. Oh, it's using a table, first of all. That's kind of funny. Uh, It is? It's a table? Yeah. Yep. And they're interestingly, not only is it a table... But each other row is an empty table row. Empty cells. Wow. And and they're not using call span. This is like a non a non-standard table that's, implementation. Yeah, that's bizarre. And they're using they're using manually styled width percentages. Does this dynamically change with Wow. Like, that's a whole other problem, but God, don't this, do you could, this. Don't you could fix how this does entirely this provide any f- value to anybody. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Amazon, but I'm not sorry. They're like they, a multi-billion dollar company. They can afford to do this correctly. They also have the copyright statement I was talking about. Notice 1996 yeah. to 2022. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's just sure. a flex. Yeah. Cool, whatever. Uh, yeah, this these aren't useful. You know somebody else. Let's let's use mm. a, a different one that's maybe a little less uh, argumentative with folks. Why why aren't there jump to footer links? If we have back to top, why not a, like a jump to the bottom? I actually would use that. I, I would use that if there was one. No, I I actually think I would too. Um, yeah, that is an interesting uh, interesting thought, um, and I don't think I've ever seen it. If if you are listening and you have ever seen a jump to footer link on somebody's mm-hmm. website, I would love to know about that. I I think that the footer, like as we've discussed tonight, I I feel even more so that the footer has value to it. That it's not just a dumping ground. Yeah. That there's content we want we want to find there affirmatively, and, and our jumping obsession down. can can I say our obsession yeah. with the fact that there is no fold mm-hmm. has resulted in pages that on a lot of sites, not universally, but a lot of sites 
are slowly getting longer and longer and longer, which does mean if I do want to go to that footer and find that investor's link or that uh, PR contact link, that I I know you were saying earlier, well, what's the big deal about just grabbing the scroll bar and going down? Yeah. I mean, sites can be long. I My mouse broke. I use an <laughs> MX Revolution usually. Um, I love this mouse. I used to have the old MX Revolution ages, you know, 12, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I love its mouse wheel because it's clutched. And if you mm. spin it, it goes into free spin and you can get to the bottom of a page super oh, that's fast. Cool. It it's busted though. My uh I've got a crack in the side of it and and the something's stuck inside of it. So I had huh. to switch to my old Bluetooth mouse temporarily, which doesn't have that functionality. Mm-hmm. And it's like a hard clicky wheel. And it's like getting to the bottom of a page going yeah. is a pain in the ass. Well, some sometimes you can click in the void of space between the scroll bar and the bottom or the top, and then it will do bigger jumps. Just clicking there multiple times. That's maybe like a insider feature. Yeah, and I mean, I, I could page up, that. page down, like you were saying. Like there are keyboard yeah. shortcuts and stuff. But again, no, I I'm with you that like like when I just loading eBay, <laughs> I felt a very very momentary like feeling of dread of oh how how long do I have to scroll here yeah. to get to the bottom of this? And I'm just thinking about the average user who. Average users don't use shortcuts. Average mm-hmm. users don't think about these things. They do stuff the hard way. If you've ever ran usability tests with mm-hmm. regular human beings, you know how frequently they do things the hard way because we as designers, developers, researchers, we understand especially our sites. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we we get that blindness of, well, oh, this is super obvious. No, it's not. I promise you it's not. <laughs> I I just related to that. If you have uh infinite scrolling, first of all, don't. Maybe maybe try not having infinite scrolling. But if you do, uh bear in mind that you will never be able to reach the footer. Yeah, you need to have what's called like a mini footer or like yeah. a sidebar footer. You you need something there at least if if that matters to you. Or maybe it doesn't matter to you. If you do an infinite scrolling thing, just have it not infinitely scroll when you scroll and have it do like load more or something like, like let the user affirmatively click that they want to have more. So one other footer style that I want to warn people off of is Mm -hmm. um, CNN. Oh God. It's going to crash my computer if I load their site. Probably. Uh, And congratulations. You now have 27 trackers. Uh, first off, they do one of the first things that I've already said that I think is good, which is they have a search bar. So when you get to the bottom, they have a search bar in their menu, their main nav. But it's a weird looking, it's a ghost like edge to edge. It's the yeah. whole, th- I didn't even know it was a search bar until you hey, told me to look for it. Do you want to have a lot of fun? Go to the top of the page. Just trust me. Do you see the search button in the header? I see a spyglass. Yeah. Click it. <laughs> it takes you to the footer. It's a jump to footer link. <laughs> All right. I, I I don't hate it. Um I this this site though, they have a lot of money. Why don't they No, this footer is useless. This footer is has so many links in it that you're blind to whatever is here. How do I know 
where to look. And again, let's go back to Amazon, right? What did we criticize Amazon for? Their brand listings. Look at this. U.S. world politics, business, opinion, health, entertainment, tech. There's no order. No are, are order. You on, are you on the main CNN page? Yeah, I'm just on the homepage. Okay. So where, where was it? I went away. Uh, there was a link. It was for international edition. To get it to show up, you have to first click on the search link. Yeah. And then it displays it. Oh, interesting. You're right. And then and then you click it. Oh. Yeah, it only it only displays with the search link. It's not a jump to footer link. I was wrong. It's it's displaying a mega menu. Yeah, that is a sort Oh, no, of actually replication of their footer. Click click on the hamburger menu. It's the same. What? <laughs> Why the would you do this? The only difference is that the hamburger menu just expands the whole mega menu and the search the search spyglass does the same thing except it puts the keyboard focus into the search box. Um however, it because with the different editions oh <laughs> and you can't close you, it by clicking out of it or hitting escape. You have to click the close button. Yeah, there's no escape there. Yeah. Wow. This gets um, yeah, this gets into a whole other conversation now. That's that's dumb. I'm sorry, CNN yeah. as well. That's dumb. Yeah, because my browser window was just small enough that I'm like, oh yeah, it's just jumping you to the footer. So they are using a footer tag. And I mean they have like here's your follow CNN social links, log in audio live tv like the 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 very bottom of their footer is really all it should be this whole thing with all with the search i mean the search box is okay too but this whole thing about all of their sections and all of the sub links with absolutely no sorting it's Mm -hmm. it's it's link vomit it's absolute (laughs) link vomit i have no idea that i can go down here find a menu called videos with the tv schedule all right, Nobody so, is clicking that link. I'm sorry. Nobody's doing it. So let's talk advice. Let's let's get into like, if I'm going to build the perfect footer, how am I going to do it? What what do I think needs to be there? And again, your needs are going to vary, certainly. Yeah. So take all of this with a grain of salt. But I think, A, avoid, avoid the jumbo footers. Avoid the link vomit footers. Because, again, always ask yourself the question. What is the user story that involves a visitor coming to your site and going to your footer to look for that thing? I'm I'm going to say that the two primary needs your footer should satisfy. The first one is the I'd like to speak to the manager user stories. Oh, I like that. I do yeah. like that. I like that phrasing too. Um and that's that kind of covers like all the kinds of user stories whether it's like you know, literally contacting or I need press kit or whatever, you know, you're just like, I want to communicate with the brand directly. Yeah. And I know it's going to be in the footer. So I am intentionally going to the footer to look for this. I've gone to footers before to look for like press kits, right? If you're Mm -hmm. working up something or you need, you know, I need your logo and I need like your official logo in a deal. Like most major companies have a, a press kit, a media kit you can go download that has, that stuff ready along with the guidelines for how to display it and stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that, yes, I absolutely expect. I don't like to expect an explicit link to it there, 
but I feel right. like I should be able to get to it from there in some fashion. It's like, like a, like a customer service desk. Like that's, that's sort of, um, or like the information desk in the mall, you know, you go to the mall and like, there's the information desk slash security. Yeah. Uh, I need you to stop talking because you're, you're, you're like giving me good ideas that I wish I'd had. <laughs> uh, and I know then I the love second... that customer service, right? What's the footer for yeah. customer service? I love that. This, the second category is the like, like, you know, the, oh shit thing and it is like it's the last resort they've looked everywhere else and now they're like in the junk drawer and and i i think do you have a junk drawer michael like i literally every drawer in my house is a drunk junk drawer but no but do you have like a junk drawer yes like do you have do you have a place where you put i'm gonna say like batteries scissors uh hair ties random bullshit you find on the floor that you're yes. like, I don't know where to put this. Okay. I Yes. So, I, and I'm not being facetious. Yes. I do yeah. have that drawer. I can go to it right now. I have a focus junk drawer that has like specific items, but then I have a pegboard in my kitchen that I use as like a junk wall. And so I hang my scissors on a peg. I have like a bunch of little like boxes that are little drawers. So I that's junk that's sort life. Of, I just sort of, keep i'm just gonna keep tattooing myself from here on out to just like make notes and one of my buddies has a tattoo on his arm inner arm um forearm of just a to-do list it's it's just it's just one through ten with empty lines and he's always got a ballpoint oh. pen and he can just write on himself whole other right story on. that's cool <laughs> Shout um, out to so Alex. i i think i think a good junk drawer like when when a junk drawer is effective like when it's actually helping you and not just a symptom of disorganization you have like a hodgepodge of things but there's not so much stuff that you can't quickly find the thing you need and you're like you know it's going to be in this drawer and maybe there's like a few seconds of search time while you find the scissors or the batteries or whatever it doesn't make sense to put them anywhere else but also like you know there's a point when if you put too much crap in there it doesn't it's not helpful anymore. And yeah. I, I think that's sort of the other role of the footer is to be a, um, a meaningful junk drawer. Fair. Um, I think I'm going to stick by my earlier suggestion that I think a footer is the perfect place to put a search box. Um, because of the junk drawer kind of symptom sure. that it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm uncertain how to, because here's the thing, right? They are digging through your, junk drawer right so the search box gives them that opportunity to be like crap i didn't find what i needed i'm at the Mm -hmm. bottom and assuming and i'm going to say this as well assuming you aren't you don't already have one in your header yeah and you're not using either a sticky header or the kind of header that like goes away but comes back if you scroll up you know i don't right right i don't know what to call that exactly if there's if we have a name for that at this point but um i think the contact information is good i i like mm-hmm. that um you know i would include some of that stuff like i i would just have a link that is like pr and media contacts sure. jobs and careers jobs and or careers some various wording there your social media links there's no reason to put your logo in the footer a second time that's just right. taking up space um you know don't restate your main navigation unless you have a good reason to again Sticky menus solve that problem as well. Uh, the, I, I don't. I don't think there's a good reason to 
period. No, I really don't either. Yeah. Um, I, I can think at if least you're gonna understand put anything... it if your menu goes away, but just do it back to top link. Yeah, I like the. Hey, I got you. Yeah. I've yeah. got you on board now. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I also think this is one of those examples of. Let me let me give you a test. Mm-hmm. What kind of test can we do, right? Because we are the Drunken UX podcast. We should talk about usability once in a while in a very real sense. And there is a very real-world usability kind of situation we can put a a subject into, a test that they can do. And when it comes okay. to things like, okay, we're going to try to figure out what to put in our footer. How would you figure out what the right things are to put in the footer versus wrong? Uh, do you mean like if I was doing a user interview? Yeah, like – or, okay. or multiple, or like a us- right? Like a usability study? Yeah, yeah. Especially when it, um, when it comes to things like IA. Probably do... I'd probably either have them, like, just, like, enumerate things, like, list stuff out and look for commonalities, or just do, like, a card sorting or uh, piling or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is, like, this is the kind of thing card sorting was made for, right? Sure. If you've got I, a bunch I would of say- links you want to have in your footer... Test them with somebody and see where where they think they should go. Amazon's first footer, like the first layer of footer in Amazon's footer, um, is very clearly the result of card sorting because the the headings on those columns are like very appropriate, and all of the items are like well organized under each of them. Yeah. Um. So like that's, but I, I think what you're saying though is you're talking about like on a more like page global level. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like cause all one links. way of doing card sorting is doing it very, very early. Right. Yeah. And literally giving somebody a stack of cards that has sure. all the names of all the things. And a good card yeah. sort test is one where you don't prescribe any categories or anything. Mm-hmm. You let them pile things together the way they think they make sense. And then you let them name those piles. Right. And you're going to end up, if you do this with, a, you know, five people, five yeah. people is enough to start to see a pattern form. You're going to see the stuff that kind of ends up as an outlier. Mm-hmm. And some of them are going to make a pile of things I don't care about, things I won't use, things I don't know what they are. And those are well, things that probably don't need to be anywhere at all. You know, what's funny is if, if you were making a site for someone, uh, let's say... I don't know, uh, some company in your town, uh, the guy comes up to you and says like, Hey, uh, I want to make a site for my business. Um, what are the, like, what are like the top level IA categories you would probably assume that they wanted initially? Yeah. Like what would contact shop uh, about us? Exactly. So. Which of those things, like, like if you look at Amazon, I mean, the shop is kind of a given, you know, that's just the site. Um, but about us and contact us, that's not on the header. That's all in the footer. Yeah. And I, I think that when, especially with a larger brand, um, that's like, it's wasted space to put it in the header because most of the time people are going to be interacting with you. It's going to be with the product that you have, the web application that you're using, and the the stuff about you, whether it's like the about us content or the contact us content, that's not going to fit in the. It's you know, it's just 
using up space. People don't really much. care. The, the the people who actually care about that is such a small audience compared to people who just want to see stuff. I will say um, Amazon's terrible about this in general because mm-hmm. they don't want you to contact them. So it's actually a whole, <laughs> whole rigmarole, dark pattern, hostile design yeah. stuff going on there. But, uh, but I think go, going back to your card sorting example, though, like if if you gave me a bunch of cards for this like business that is local, I would probably file things like press kit and other stuff under about. Right? right like that would be where i would put it but then you have this about us content and like maybe it just doesn't make sense to put it in the header and well, so then it would make sense to put it in the footer and one of the other things about card sorting too is have people prioritize those piles mm, in yeah. terms of oh yeah that's what a good would idea. be the first thing like if you were going to come to us what mm-hmm. do you care about most and what you're going to learn is things like about us is going to be pretty far down that list uh, yeah, And so that's going to be like one of those things where you do get to the point where it's like, if we have a lot of items we have to prioritize, mm-hmm. maybe about us just doesn't, isn't important enough to be all the way at the top. It's we like, want to believe like it the- is because we want to think. And when, as, as business people, we want people to think about who we are. Yeah. But our storytelling but- is supposed to happen through our content, not right. through a sort of directive of click this. I, it's sort of like the fire extinguisher thing from earlier. Like I, I expect to see it. I don't, I don't typically need it and I don't typically want it to be like, I don't want to be in a room full of just fire extinguishers. That would be really weird and Uh would make me worried. Uh, but unless it's like a hardware store, I don't know. I'm digressing. Um, but I, but I would want to see that there is one there though. And I, I am glad to know that there is a contact link or that there is an address or something that says about the the people that I'm interacting with. I, I think I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but um something that I expect to see in the footer and I uh NNG called it testimonials and awards. Um but I think I think a better generic term would just be trust marks. Oh uh, like um I like that. Th- things that indicate that the company behind or the whoever, whoever's behind the website, that they're legitimate. It's sort of like other people have acknowledged that we are real. Um, because and that helps to helps you as a user feel more comfortable engaging with this company. I would love to see usability research on your idea of, of trust marks because you yeah. know the one thing is, especially with sites that want to be nefarious. Yeah. They have no qualms about using logos that they shouldn't be using or whatever. Sure. Or, so I, I'm, I would be curious to know what people's trust level actually is with those kinds of things. But I, that's a whole I think other that there's, subject. There's like, there's a right amount, you know, like I, you know, there's some, some company or some websites will have just like a laundry list of brands that they've worked with before. And it's like, all right, we get it. Like you've, you've worked with people. Cool. I don't think you need to have like everybody ever. Yeah. We have an award that we win regularly, like almost every single year. In fact, I think we've maybe won it every year since I've been with the company. That's not my, Mm -hmm. my doing. I will, I'm not tooting my own (laughs) horn on that. Uh, And so we do put that award like somewhere on the site. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it is in the footer right now, actually. Um, Sure. But it is also hyper specific. Like it's not just, logos of a bunch of brands or something like that like it is a very specific award and you can click through to it to go to their site and confirm we won it so yeah 
that's there. So the the trust factor is reciprocal there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's great, and that's that's an opportunity. Um, and I think I would probably look in the footer for something like that. I would want to like if I was iffy about a, a a site, I I might look in the footer. You know, I might look behind the curtain and see like, oh, well, what do you got here? And the trick is, like any feature on your site, to find you know the value, the value to you, but the value to your users. I would love to hear how are you going to use your next footer experience, whatever that may mm-hmm. be, you know, to improve how your users engage with you and how, you know, how people view your brand. So let us know. This is a great example of when you could use our new phone line. If you want to <laughs> call us and leave us a voicemail and describe what you think is a good footer, you can call us at 620-712-2119. While you're doing that, we're going to take one quick break, and we will be right back. Well, I hope that was fun for you guys. I hope footers are something interesting. I hope that gave you maybe some some ideas. We're going to have a lot of links in these show notes we didn't talk about tonight. Obviously, the Nielsen Norman uh, article will feature in there. It's from 2019, so it's fairly recent. But I've got a bunch of other articles with tons of tips. Um... A lot of them are like, hey, 15 tips for X, 27 tips for X. So go check those out from everything from... Footers hate this one There's Design trick. Shack, there's HubSpot, <laughs> there's uh, uh, Icons 8, there's a bunch of different uh, articles in there. So go check those out if you want to learn about your footers. Uh, come and check with us on socials at the Facebook and Instagrams.com slash... Actually, no, Facebook and Twitter.com slash... Drunken UX and Instagrams.com slash Drunken UX podcast. Also, you should come and support us on our Patreon, DrunkenUX.com slash support. Uh, we are putting all money towards transcripts right now. Um, and uh, come and talk with us. You can either talk with us at uh, DrunkenUX.com slash Discord or at 0118-999-8867. Six two nine nine one one nine nine seven. Can, um, five, can four, I take three? over at, at that point? I I think you got it a little wrong. <laughs> you have to sing it. It's like, um, oh one one eight nine nine nine. Go grab your phone, grab your Google Voice, whatever you use to call people, and give us a call at six two zero seven one two two one one nine. That's six two zero seven one two twenty one nineteen. And leave us a comment, a question, a feedback, whatever. Um, even if you just want to tell us that uh, you love us, you hate us, you wish we would talk about something, you have an idea for an episode, we'd love to hear any of that. And you can do that in any of those venues, but the phone line's a new thing, so we're going to test that out. Um, and I hope the footer thing was interesting. It's a little different. I, I want to kind of take some of this and, and run with it, talk about mm-hmm. asides, talk about sidebars, you know, talk about main menus, like you know, some of these elements from a usability standpoint and how we approach them. The message that I think we have to keep sending is you, you've got to take the time to think about those questions of how do people use these things? Why do they go to these things? The footer is a great example because it's at the end of, of all of these trails. It's never the start. So how do they use those? And you can't know that without talking to your users. You can't know mm-hmm. that without tracking. Because when you know if like if those folks are, are seeing that stuff, that helps you make decisions it helps you decide you know what you're going to put down there are you burying links are they finding value in them and are you keeping your personas closer your users closer (laughs) bye-bye